release all the emotions that you have. It, it helps you release all the emotions. And after release of the emotion, you're finally able to think clearly. Hello, welcome to another episode of Get Your Fill, Financial Independence and Long Life, where we research and explore ways to achieve those two goals and we invite friends on to help us. And first of all, I want to thank you because there are over 2 million podcasts out there. And the fact that you have found this one and that you're listening, I'm extremely grateful and honored for that. And then I want to tell you that you're going to be very excited that you're here today because we have Dusia Lebovskaya. Did I do that right? Yes, <laughs> We're going to call perfectly. her Dusia L for sure. Yes. <laughs> She is a holistic life coach, and I'm, I know that lots of information about her interesting life is going to come up throughout the show. So let's just jump right into it. Ducia, thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> so how did you get started as a holistic life coach? I would say it started in 2018. That's when I started to have my business. Before that, I was just doing energy healing. Okay. And I noticed that the more I was doing energy healing for clients, the more I noticed that my medical background was very handy mm-hmm. that I've been in the medical field for 10 plus years. And so I realized that I should definitely combine my uh, medical background with the holistic field. And then also I started working with clients who went through trauma, who had uh, issues in their families, like all kinds of like and even boundary issues that were related that caused trauma. And I just started and I started coaching them because I went uh, to this myself. I, I've been, I experienced a lot of boundaries, like, uh, like I had boundaries that were not respected and I learned to set boundaries. And so I realized, okay, I have to share my experience with my clients to help them because it took me, I don't know, it took me years to figure out, like, uh, like growing up, I did learn values, but it was more like I had, and someone had to tell me, this is what's okay for you. This is what's okay. This was not okay. And I, and even though later on when I was a teenager, I realized, wait a minute, I have a right to say this is not okay with me. I have a right to say this is uncomfortable. But at the same time, I was in an environment where, my where I didn't have rights, where my even if I had boundaries, they were not respected, or people didn't care yeah. about my boundaries. And then I had to learn. Okay, so how do I how do I explain how do I even if my boundaries are not always respected, but how can I make sure that I am heard? Learning strategies, I realized I should share my strategies with other people as well because if it helped me, it will possibly help other people. Mm-hmm. And here I am now, after all these years doing coaching and working with uh, different clients who either don't know how to set boundaries or are trying to understand, okay, what do I do in this situation? And they're frustrated. And then I'm wondering, wait a minute, this sounds like they don't even know themselves. They, it's like, it sounds like they need someone to tell them, okay, do you feel comfortable with what's happening? Like even their relationship, whether it's their spouse or just someone who they're living with and I'm wondering okay do they actually know that this is not healthy and I asked and I don't say this is not healthy but I say okay how do you feel about the situation and many of them like well I mean I guess it's okay and that's like oh 
red flag there. Okay, let's work <laughs> on this. <laughs> so t- talk a little bit more about why you feel there's a correlation between, and I know that there is one, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not in any way, you know, but I, I want you to help other people to understand mm-hmm. the correlation between someone who might be having like an emotional or even a physical issue and how that can be tied to actually a boundary, something that's happening and uh, encroaching on their kind of personal boundaries. Right. So for example, in my case, when I grew up, I didn't learn how to say no. Like even if it was just like, like my late father would constantly say, we're going to have this for dinner or we're going to have this. And he would say, for example, this you want chicken for dinner. And I'm thinking, did I say that I want you before they like, where is this coming from? And at some point, I, I just couldn't take it. I said, why did I say that I wanted that? Or why did I say I, I wanted this? And my late father, to be honest, he didn't care about boundaries. It was all about his needs. He was really furious that I actually spoke up. But I realized, okay, something is wrong here. This is not supposed to be that. Like I, I'm oh, if I'm old enough, I'm old enough, and if I like, if I'm in school and I and and I'm supposed to say, I know this or this is not or I don't like this. I have a right to say that. There were other situations. I I work with uh, people. They like there are people who uh, don't like, for example, they don't like hugs, for instance. I mean, I personally, I, I don't have a problem with hugs, but if there's someone who said, I like hugs, okay, that's fine. I can just say hi, shake your hand if that's what you want. And there's some people they, in their family that's like tradition for them to give hugs, but there's some, but like if you're someone who in your family and you don't like hugs, but you never said anything, because I don't know, whatever reason, I mean, everybody likes hugs, so you have to like hugs, for instance. <laughs> but, but okay, but you're an individual and you can, and it's, it's okay for you to say, I don't really want to hug. I mean, whether it's because you generally don't like hugs or well, this particular going person, on. it could be the particular yeah. person that it just exactly. doesn't feel right exactly. for whatever reason. You have to trust yes. that, right? Exactly. And I know when I, I work with someone and they said, well, my mother loves hugging me. And, and I said, okay, how do you feel about it? And at first she said, I don't know. I said, okay, do you feel yucky? Like, how does it feel to you? Like, uh, imagine, and she couldn't figure out how to do, express herself. I said, okay, what's your favorite food? <laughs> so she said, what's your favorite food? Okay. So is there some kind of food that you really think, ew, I would never eat that? So, oh yeah, okay, tell me what that food, what that food is. And she said, okay. So she said, then what, her, what the food that she doesn't like? I said, okay, now put that same uh, emotion to hugs. How do you feel about hugs? And then she said, I really don't like hugs. I said, okay, and tell me more. I said, you know what? Everybody in my family hugs and I feel weird if I am not if I say no, I said, I completely understand. Like, of course, everybody's hugging and you feel like oh, something must be wrong with me. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> it's, it's totally okay. If you, I mean, there could be different reasons. If you, I mean, the best way to describe it is maybe you're just having a day where you just don't want to hug. Maybe you just want to be, maybe you just want to have space. Maybe something happened, you're upset. It's a totally okay to say, I'm upset. I'm not in the space to have a hug. I just want to be alone. It's totally okay. It's not a crime. We all have these kind of days. It's totally okay to not want to hug. And she said, but I don't, I just don't like hugs. That's okay too. 
if someone likes you, but you usually always let us hug you, then you can say, well, I, I let you hug me, but I didn't always feel comfortable with it. Now it just really irritated me. Like I really don't like hugs. I mean, I can hug you uh, once in a while if it's really important to you, but I'm just not a hugger. I mean, you just have to respect that. And yes, it's, there's going to be situations where like, but you, you always hug. So you can say, I don't really like hugs. I will hug you because it makes you feel good, but I am, but I don't, I'm just not a hugger. Yeah. And we all have different personalities. I can't imagine anybody who's like all day, every day, everything is fine and you just want space. And it's okay to say, I need space. It's okay to say, not today, or I will talk to you in, in, in a while. And I I remember I had someone say, well, they constantly, like I would ask them, say, how is it like when you're in your room, what happens? And so they, they just barge into my room and I'm in the middle of something, okay. Do they knock on your door? And they apparently get strange looks because of that. I said, well, I mean, you're not dressed appropriately. I mean, yeah. happens in your room. <laughs> and they're like, oh, I didn't think of that. Like, duh. I mean, it's it just happened. So it's just say, you know what? I am in the middle of something and it helps me. I have to, like, whether you're uh, taking college classes or whether you're uh, coming from home from work or whatever situation is, you have a right to ask people to clock on your door. It's completely acceptable. The room is our personal space. We need we do, we need to have a space where we can just relax, where we just can get our thoughts together, and just and where we can just be ourselves, even if it's just for five minutes, mm-hmm. just to get a breather. And it's okay to say, I need space. I had a long day. I will talk to you in a bit. It's totally okay to do that. When my father was, late father was around, we had to be at home. It was, this was like, I don't know, 10, 10, 20 years ago. We had to be home. We were not allowed to go out. And I thought, just like in COVID, we we can't go out. We can't uh, go anywhere. And it was the same situation. And I... I had to be with my father 24-7. I had to be with him. And he didn't respect boundaries. And then at some point, I was able to say, okay, well, you can't, uh, okay, father, I'm going to the bathroom. You, are you seriously going to, like, follow me? Say, oh, no, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, that's like, like, at least he understood that part. And, and, that's, and that's how you do it even now. We are here all together. But if you need your space, you can say, I need to go out to get some fresh air. And you can do that either say that or you're comfortable. You can say you need you need uh, you need space, whatever works for you. But you can say, I need to go out to get some fresh air. And if somebody wants to join, you can say, I need to be able to think. I need I need space. I need there's something that I need to think about. And and even if it's someone is like with you and say, well, I can help. I can just take a while with you. You can. It's okay to say I I appreciate you. I love you dearly. But I'm just having one of those moments where I really need to like relax. I mean, some family members are going to be like, well, I mean, there's a bunch of people outside. Like, it doesn't matter if I'm coming with you or not. They're still going to be there. But still, it's okay to say, I know, but these people are not necessarily going to talk to me. And I just really need the space. I'm just really going to a rough time and I need to be alone. It just happened. We just, there's so much going on in our lives.
And the same thing with uh, with children as well. They need they need a space. The way they when children the way children say that they need uh they need that they need space is when they don't want to talk to you, or when they when they're shutting when they're shutting the door. Of course, I mean you I mean you're gonna hate it when kids shut the door and you're not in front of you in your face. But it's just their way of saying. I really upset. I need I need time uh, to recover, whatever it is, and that's just your way of saying, "Oh, my kid needs space." Okay, I'm gonna let them, and they'll come out when they are ready to talk. Be more, I think, too, for setting boundaries because what you're talking about is a, a situation where you need space in that moment. Mm-hmm. But some people, it's not because I'm upset. It's not because of mm-hmm. anything else. It's just because I don't like to be with people all the time right Mm -hmm, just this is this space thing is not going away I need the space Mm -hmm. every day you know how do you help people because what you're talking about Mm -hmm. is also people who aren't you know they're not picking up your cues they're not aware Mm -hmm. of the fact that you're feeling a little bit closed in you know maybe it's a client even who's feeling like they can call you at all hours of the day or night I know I'm a real estate agent and I hear other agents complaining about that. You know, I have this client and they just feel like they can call me anytime they want, you know, and that's obviously because they haven't set boundaries with these people right at, right at the beginning. And I, I feel like people who are like that, they tend to have a really good way of making you feel guilty. I mean, how can, can you give us some strategies for that dealing with, you know, maybe it's not a family situation, but it Mm -hmm, is a situation where someone's not uh, understanding and not respecting your your life right absolutely yes i have um a client who i work with who has this kind of boundary (laughs) issue as well what i do is i'm just really transparent like i have a client who will call me or text me whenever and there was a day when i did not uh, respond to this person text me at all like the entire day and it was not because they were annoying me it was just because i was just so busy and so I just, I mean, when I see a text message, I mean, it's not like they are right there in front of me and they say, hey, why are you not talking to me? Yeah. You, it's a text message and you just happen to be busy and you can explain, sorry, I just see, I say, I just saw your text message or I just saw your phone call. And you can be just transparent about it. You can say, I'm sorry, I was just working with other clients or have time with my family or I'm working with clients. So we can schedule a time when we can talk. That's, it's totally okay to do that because obviously they're not your first, your only client. <laughs> I mean, for my friend, they will understand that. I think it's, oh, you're busy. You have all these clients work with. Okay, sure. And you can say, how about we schedule a time for us to talk? You can talk to me about uh, any of your concerns. And honestly, if they, I mean, if they, they having a work relationship with you, and they they want to work with you, but if they are just no matter what you say to them, no matter what, even if you're being transparent, you say I have, or you can book a call with me, or you can book this day. I have, or even if you say that your entire week is booked because you have all these clients that you have to reach out to, or you're traveling, and if they don't understand that, I mean, you have to tell them, listen, I really want to work with you, but. If, if this if this is not, I mean, if you can 
you just have to be transparent with them. I mean, this is not, if they are not going to respect your boundary, then obviously this is not the right client relationship. It's not a good <laughs> relationship between you. And you just have to be transparent about it. But generally speaking, clients, if clients are, are reaching out to you, even though you have all other clients and they, they're not respecting, then you just have to let them go, really. You know what? I want to work with you, but you're not saying you're not respecting the boundaries. You, I have other clients to work with. I respect they want to work with you, but you have to do your part. And they're not. Then, yeah, best of luck to you. <laughs> See you later. Yeah, you don't have to. <laughs> yeah. And coworkers, I know too. Sometimes mm-hmm. in a in an office setting or something like that, you might find. I I remember when I used to work in a, in an office, I some people just weren't as that busy and they just seemed like they wanted to just stand around and chit chat and things like that. Yep. And, you know, you do, you feel so rude saying, you know, get out of my office, man. You know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know the worst way I can say, I mean, you could say hi to them, say hi, how are you doing? And have a uh, conversation. That's, that's totally fine. Yeah. But also, I mean, when you get me a call, I mean, it should be obvious to them, but it's just, I mean, if they, yeah, you can still, you can say, I want to talk, I want to chat with you, but I'm trying to like get you organized. And I know there's some people who, I mean, usually people, when you work with them, and I, I've been, I often work like in office environments. And um, sometimes they actually can tell that you're busy because you're like looking at the computer or you're like uh, looking at paperwork. And, and I mean, if they just meet just for a moment, like if they need your help, and you can say, okay, just give me a moment, or they can say, or they will, if they're reasonable, they will say, you know what, uh, I see you're busy right now. I'm going to check with you later. That's fine, really. But if they're like just talking to you, and it's totally okay to say, oh my gosh, I, I, I'm listening to you right now, and I'm doing this. I'm trying to multitask, but there's something about these, this, what I'm doing right now. It's really just, it's really like, can you check with me in, in a little bit? Yeah, just just be transparent, just communicate that. Yeah, and what you were just saying about, you know, why it's better for them, you know, that's what I used Mm -hmm. to say to people is, you don't have my undivided attention right now. And I really Mm -hmm. want to give you my undivided attention. So let's put something in the calendar where I can clear my Mm -hmm. desk and we can really talk and you can share your concerns with me. And I think that's key because then they're seeing, oh, I can stand here and talk to her, but mm-hmm. she's not really listening. So mm-hmm. why don't I go ahead and set a time and then we can all be in the same space, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a really good point. So your LinkedIn profile says that you're a Shambhala um, health practitioner. Or, um, yes. Can you talk, talk enough, about yeah. that a little bit? Yeah. So the so Shambhala is, it's like an umbrella term for everything. Uh, all healing modalities from the universe. So it includes everything like Reiki, uh, shamanism, like every holistic modality that there is. Shambhala itself, when I do healings, it's more like when people are struggling, but they don't really know what is going on. Like if they're sick, but they don't know why they're sick. When you are frustrated, when you have anger issues, when you are depressed, it's like a, it's in shamana, uh, shamanic shambhala world, it's called spiritual disease because you just frustrate you, like you're in a, in a situation where uh, you're getting like hit from all directions, whether it's your family, work, 
anything to put on your life and, and you're overwhelmed and you're not feeling well and you can't figure out what it is or why you're not feeling well. You just know you're frustrated, you're, you're upset, you're irritable. And I mean, you could go to a doctor to get checked out, but again, it's like you don't have time to go to a doctor or you don't even know what to say. Like you can say, I'm irritable. I don't know what's going on with me. I don't know what, what it is. And with Shambhala, it's like a healing modality that I offer to people. And it just helps release all the emotions that you have. It, really, it helps you release all the emotions. And after release of the emotion, you're finally able to think clearly and realize, oh, I'm going to this because of my, because of work. You're able to think more clearly about what's going on in your life and, and what's causing you to feel the way you're, you're feeling. I mean, Reiki does that too, but Shambhala, it just really, it just, it's, it's everything. It's all together. Everything universally. It's universal love. So how does it, I know it's sometimes uh, when you read about Shambhala, they talk about Reiki. Mm-hmm. How, how does it, how does it differ or why are they even linked? So Reiki is, is generally a, uh, it's, it's also a healing modality. It's a Japanese healing modality. And Reiki is, I mean, it helps with relaxation and health issues. I would say the difference is that Shambhala is universal love, Reiki as well, but Reiki is more, it's more like relaxation purpose. It more relaxes your body because whenever we have a, a, an ailment, whether it's physical, emotional, or whatever, our ailments, our physical ailments are manifested through our emotional. Like when we have uh, a lot of stress, for instance, stress, when you're not addressing the stress, it turns into physical ailments. It can be anything from heart issues, digestive issues, migraines, it could be anything. And Reiki releases, releases like it removes all the toxins from your body because all the stress that you go through, any stress-related trauma, stress, whatever, it, it's like toxins in your body. And although you can't see it, but you can feel it, like the negative energy wise. And so it releases all the toxins. And Shambhala, so Reiki is like when you know what's going on and you just don't know what to do about it. Shambhala is like when you know that something is wrong, but you don't know what it is. Okay. And Shambhala like, okay, Shambhala, I'm going to send you Shambhala and it's going to release all the toxins on your body and, and you're going to be able to think clearly like I had uh, recently, was last month, a client. So I'm in Massachusetts and this client was Hawaii. And I did Shabala. And I realized, okay, there's something going on in your life. I don't know, it's a stressful, but you're having heart issues. And the heart issues were not serious. And I was suggesting to this client to try to go to a doctor just to get checked out. Mm-hmm. And this uh, client said, well, Okay, well, what do you recommend? I said, well, I would definitely recommend to go to a doctor just to make sure that it doesn't get serious because um, I forgot the word that, that I want to use, but like be proactive. Yeah. Like if there's something going on, go to a doctor, get to a specialist just to make sure that everything's okay. I mean, even if it's just like a minor thing, maybe maybe it's because you're not getting enough sleep. It, I don't have to know what's going on, but just to make sure just so the doctor, they can check you out and say, okay, this is what's going on. It doesn't seem serious, but just, just to monitor it at least. The second thing is because I'm seeing that you have something heart related, 
um, I mean, if you someone who, if you want to try, like I'm, I'm also getting to herbalism. So if they want like, uh, drink a tea that calms them, like calming tea, have every morning tea. Like there's certain teas that help your heart calm your heart down because like either you're stressed because like if if you're someone who does a lot of jogging, still you need to moderate it. Like your heart is you have a strong heart, but every everything in life needs a happy medium. So drink drink some uh, calming tea that will help you. And I said I definitely recommend it, but please go to a doctor because the doctor can monitor your heart. They can have all the medical stuff, and they can say, okay, yeah, your your heart it looks weird, but let's just make sure. And Shambhala uh, practitioner, I can help you do some healing, but I personally believe in combining holistic with medical. Mm-hmm. I personally believe that they go hand in hand. Like the Shambhala, it, it helps you calm calm your mind and body and soul the medical part it can do the rest or, or vice versa i de- i just generally i don't like it when people say oh you just need white you just need shambhala please don't do that <laughs> like people say that, but, and i know doctors and i know doctors say well you just need medication medication has its limits as well medication has a limit as side effects shambhala reiki they don't have any side effects at all interesting <laughs> Yeah, and even with doctors as well, I also teach boundaries uh, because that because a lot of clients come to me and I, you know, when I was, at least when I was like a teenager at least, I had uh, some doctors who would say, okay, you need to do X, Y, and Z. And there were other doctors who I know who say, okay, this is what I suggest, but what do you think is going on in your life? Like, what do you think you need? And I love that approach. I mean, the, the patient is coming to you because they need help. But they also have they have a they have a say in this, like if you're because the doctor because the doctor doesn't know you as well as you know yourself. Yeah. Like like you can you can prescribe medication to to someone with heart issue, but if there's someone like if they're depressed, they're like oh maybe they have to see a therapist or maybe there's something going on with them. Yeah. And that's what I also uh, do with my clients. I wanted to. Be, help them feel empowered like let's say you're the client here and you're going to say you have x y and z problem and i'm i'm going to say okay this is what i think you need and i am not going to be upset if you say i hear what you're saying but this doesn't feel right i want you to say that i want you to take ownership of yourself i want you to say okay this is i understand what you're saying but this doesn't feel right and i want to be able to say okay so what do you think is going on in your life and then we can have a conversation and I can say, okay, how about do we change a little bit the strategy? It has to be a relationship, a teamwork. Yeah. It's not like I'm the boss and you do what I say. No, I don't want that. And I want the same thing with my, with my clients. I want them to be at the point where they, even when they're on medication, I want them to be able to say to their doctor, you know what? I feel like I can lower my dosage, or I think I want a different medication. I want them to say, I want them to be able to say that without thinking, "Oh my gosh, why I can't tell them my doctor? They know better than me." No, this is your body. You know what's working with your body. Your doctor can't say, "Well, you're going to be allergic to this." Uh, they are. They didn't live with you their entire lives. You know what's going on with you. Yeah, definitely. That's a boundary as well. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So one of your specialties is chronic mm-hmm. health issues. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those exactly. 
by, by definition, chronic health issues are not usually going to be getting better, right? Is that true? With chronic health issues, it's not, it's not getting better. It, it gets worse. It either gets worse or it stays or it's stable, for lack of other wording. My thing is, I, I, work with, I work with clients who have chronic health issues. And my issue with this is that many of the chronic health issues are related to trauma. I'm not going to say that all chronic health issues are like that. I noticed like a, a, a theme, like I've had clients who have chronic, whether it's um, allergies or uh, migraines, like they had chronic health issues and it's always, um, many of the time it has been related to trauma because trauma can manifest in various ways. It's ridiculous. Like I have, like anytime you have a chronic health issue and any medication you take is not working, or anything that the doctor prescribes and whatever, seriously, whatever you take is not working, then it means it's not a medical thing, it's trauma-related thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying this because I know better, it's because I noticed this. Like every time I work with a, a client that's chronic, it's because of trauma, which again, happens to be related to boundaries. Like I had a client who, um, who has chronic migraine for years, and it was related to abuse in the relationship. She didn't know how to say no. She didn't know how to set boundaries with her partner. Her partner was abusive. And because she wasn't able to say no, she didn't know how to say no. She didn't know how to say stop. Or she didn't know how to even get to the point where she could say, this is not healthy. I should divorce this person. I should not be in a relationship. Yeah. This trauma, it turned into chronic health. The way I look at it, I'm just like a, I'm just like the mediator between my clients and 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 higher source or or universal love or right king. Mm-hmm. And my experience has been after at least one session, their their symptoms improve. All these patients I work with, um, it's actually all the remote work that I've been doing. Um, but generally, after at least one session there has been an improvement. It's either they either realize, like even after the session, I have a conversation with them and say, okay, this is what I'm sensing. And they say, yes, exactly. Like I, I just sense what is going on. Like, is there like, how, like, did you feel love? What was your relationship with your family? Was there any time when you didn't feel hurt? Which is also a, a part of boundary. Like you, when you don't feel her, when someone's just constantly talking at you and not taking you seriously or not respecting your needs, that's a boundary problem. Yeah. And that was manifested in a chronic health problem. I mean, I can do I could do all kinds of healing modalities on you. I could, I mean, I could like do five different healing modalities. Your doctors could prescribe to you any medication that comes to their mind. Mm-hmm. Your body, whenever your body is responding with with illness or anything that your body responding to that's your body saying this has to stop we need help please stop this mm-hmm. and mostly it's because of some kind of boundary that's being broken it's yeah. it's crazy interesting and yeah then, it's funny yeah. how it does all it comes back to that is just, just being true to yourself and being honest with with yourself and with others right absolutely yes interesting so um how can we be sure? I mean, outside of, you know, sometimes we might argue with ourselves and say, oh, mm-hmm. it's okay that this person's doing this, right? You, you, 
how can we be sure? Or how can we, what kind of signs are there that our boundaries are being crossed and that we need to put a line in the sand and to say, you know, you need to stop or you need to change or whatever. Yeah, I practice this. I coach you my clients to this as well. However, the basic signs are, it can be anything, any anything that happens to you right shortly after this negative uh, exchange, for lack of better wording, like anytime after you have this, uh, anytime when your bodies are being broken, anytime when you're talk when someone's talking to you, you don't feel comfortable with, you either get uh, nauseous, digestive issues, you feel discomfort that you can't explain, you get irritable, anxiety, I mean, anything that happens shortly after this exchange that you have with the person, that's a sign that your body's saying, this person is not good for me. This, I need help. I need to, this, this is not okay. So it's not even your, it's not even your mind. You don't have to, there's not like a logical thing that's happening. You mm -hmm. actually can just tune into your body and your body is exactly. going to tell you in a physical way. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, I went through this myself. I, I thought he was abusive. And even nowadays people say, well, I mean, if he didn't, if that person didn't hit you, then there's nothing wrong. No, it doesn't matter if the abuse was physical or mental or emotional. If you feel unworthy, if you're feeling like, why am I alive? Why, uh, like, I, like, I want to die or, or I shouldn't, or I don't, or why do people even love me? If you have any of these negative thoughts right after someone or right after you're with somebody or with a group of people who make you feel that way, that's, I mean, whether the, whether people consider this abuse or not, but that's already mental or emotional, that's already, it's, that's not okay. Yeah. And I coach my clients to understand this, to uh, to pay attention to those signs. And they say, well, I'm around the wrong, wrong people. These are not the people you should be around. You need to be around people who appreciate you, who will respect you. Sorry for the background. <laughs> But you need to be around people who love you, who after, like, even after uh, three hours, even if you feel like, you know what, I'm getting exhausted, but I love this, I love this, this, um, this vibe. I love the, I love being here. And you just don't want to leave the environment. Yeah. That's, that's where you know you're good. And, that's, yes. and it does not, yeah, it does not to be because nobody told me, but it's how you feel about situations. Yeah, it's true. When you spend time with with people who feed your soul, mm -hmm. you just feel when you leave, you just feel, wow, you know, elated. Yep. And you think, oh, my goodness, you know, I just had this fantastic conversation and I learned something and I yep. felt great vibes. And I even you exactly. even can sometimes feel that when you walk into a room, you're like, oh, yep. wow, mm -hmm. there's so much positive energy here. And it's and it yeah, is, exactly. especially in the beginning, right? It's a conscious effort mm -hmm. to make sure that you are surrounding yourself with those people because that maybe isn't your norm, right? From, from before, maybe you were surrounding yourself with people who are more negative and who were, right. like you say, critical or bringing mm -hmm. out, you know, seeing only your worst side and bringing out negativity. So I'm very curious. I've always wondered about this remote healing. I mean, when mm -hmm. I've had Reiki, even though they didn't actually touch me, they were right in the vicinity of my body, yeah. like, you know, mm -hmm. within what, what you might call your aura or your, you know, right. energy that you would give off. But how can yeah. you do that when you're physically distant from someone? 
I know this sounds weird. The way I do it is I just imagine myself, like I, like generally speaking, when I do Reiki, I always close my eyes. It's, it's just my way of uh, focusing better. Mm-hmm. And I imagine myself standing in front of the person who needs the Reiki. I imagine like colors. I, I just imagine myself sending them a yellow light, white light. And I know it's hard to it's hard to put into world, and I'm just imagining myself light, uh, like white, yellow, like coming out of my hands towards that person, and I, and this light just embracing that person, and for the person receiving the Reiki, they feel either like they're being hugged, they feel either tingling or like they're sunbathing, like there's a sun. It, it for most for most people, it feel like the, the sun is there. Wow. And 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 often it happens uh, that they even feel like a, a slight human touch, and feel like I'm 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 uh, like patting them on the shoulder. I don't, I'm not even there, but yeah. it feels like that to them. Fascinating. Um, yeah, it's I can't really explain. I just I just know that because I had at least two clients who said after a session, they said I could have sworn you were right there with me. <laughs> no, I wasn't there. No. <laughs> I teleported you. yeah yes, exactly <laughs> exactly so I, I you also mentioned that you you do some work with autistic clients is yeah. it their families mm-hmm. or is it the, the people themselves who have the autistic challenges um I I can do both but I've been mostly working with uh, parents who have autistic kids mm-hmm. uh, especially uh, those who have nonverbal autistic because the thing is I you know, I I have uh, friends who have uh, kids on the autism spectrum, and I also like I go to different events. And the reason why I even started this work is because I'm listening to parents, and they would be, I don't want to say complaining, but they they were really frustrated. Like their kids would have a meltdown. Their kids would like be acting up. For, the, for lack of better wording and they would constantly talk about how scared they were because their children were like doing scary stuff but I would listen to them and they would talk about some kind of therapy that their, that their kids were doing and I would and I would be just listening to this and sometimes they would say like they they don't they want to have a conversation with their kids and they don't know what to do and I would like I would ask them does your kid hug you and they were, and sometimes I would get, they would look at me like, what do you mean? And I realized, so here's two things that come to my mind. Uh, the first thing I started looking at uh, videos that were posted on social media and other places, like these therapy sessions. And I noticed that when the therapist works with a kid that's autistic, um, especially when these kids are nonverbal, I noticed that these kids were overwhelmed and they looked like they were close to crying. And I was wondering, do these, why, like, when the kid is overwhelmed, I'm, I mean, when, so I started comparing to my own upbringing. And people often tell me, well, we don't know what you're talking about because we do, because, like, we're just the US. And here's the thing. When I was little, um, my late mother and I mean anybody from my family, like they they would observe me. Like when I was a baby, even they would my mother would like look at me when I, she would observe my reaction when I didn't like something, when I did like something, 
And that's how she would get to know me. She would be even like before I was even old enough to learn to talk. Yeah. They would just observe me and say, oh, do she like this or do she doesn't like this? And I have the sense that that's the strategy you should be using with nonverbal kids. Like they are using their body language to express when they are not okay. And when they do think that they look scary is their way of saying, I'm not feeling comfortable or I'm hurt or uh, I'm in pain. They're not understood basically, they're just not understood. Children, the little child, they learn to say, no, or I hate you or something like that. So you yeah. know, oh, my kid, okay, my, it is, my kid is angry. Right. Or they're going to say their stomach hurts, which means they're having anxiety. But if they're not able to talk, they're trying to use their body language. And they're like, but I'm feeling like that they, they can't even explain what they're feeling. So what I do generally is I, I observe the kid. How is the kid reacting with the parents? How, I just look at their interaction. And then I will say, I noticed this, this and this, and they say, have you noticed this? And they were like, listen to me. And, and I would say, how about you try this? Or I, or even, I would even talk to the kid. And this sounds maybe odd, but I don't take anything personal. Children are not easily distracted. I mean, that's like their nature. <laughs> so I'm just going to listen to the kid. I'm just going to talk to the kid, uh, treat them like I pretend that they understand what I'm saying. And even if the kid is not looking at me, but I know that they're uh, that they are paying attention because I'm just going to like hand them something. And if they're if they are give if they are like responding by with the gesture, I know that they understand me. They're just not able to communicate it. Yeah. And so I just help uh, parents and I say, okay, if your if your kid does this, try X, Y, and Z. I just give them like strategies. Mm-hmm. And interestingly although kids are not verbal they understand everything around them like even when they're like rocking back and forth they're autistically they're very sensitive to their environment and you can say are you okay and if they're not responding just sit with them just sit with them and mimic them like just sit with them if you if you they can sense if you are calm they're going to calm down just sit Mm -hmm. with them it's going to relax them. it's like soothing them yeah. Whether and if they don't want if they don't want you to hold them, don't hold them. Their way of saying they are setting boundaries. And even if they don't use language, you can just draw something and they will they will just copy you. They will draw and they they're looking for a way to communicate without talking. Yeah. And just focus on that. Yeah. So you're helping the parents to, to mm-hmm. use the, helping them to understand better how to communicate with the child without words because it is exactly I'm sure it's daunting as a parent right when your mm-hmm. child can't isn't communicating with you in as you say the quote traditional way that they right. must be very disconcerting and you feel like you know does the child love me you know or am I exactly. doing the right thing for this child yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that must be a big relief to them to have those tools yeah. Absolutely. And seriously, and sometimes these kids, when they, when someone is responding to how they react, like, uh, like showing understanding, then sometimes they actually approach you in a way that you want them to approach you. Like they will suddenly say, I love you or mama or something like that. Yeah. And then that's definitely a sign like, okay, like this child is saying, you understand me now I understand you like finally there's like a connection. Right. You yeah, give, give a little first and then mm-hmm. it can start to come back your way. Excellent. Yeah. Ducey, it's been so great talking with you. I can't believe that our hour is already up. <laughs> it's flown by. I really can't believe it. But thank you so much for joining us today. 
And thank you, listener, for listening. You know that we're trying to get up to 50 countries by the end of the year. So that's up to you. Please share the podcast with somebody who you know who's in another country. And anyone who you feel could be helped with just his help. Tell us, how can folks reach out to you? Uh, so I have a website, ducias-miracle-rightyouandi.com. Also, I'm on Duke said Miracle Energy Healing on Facebook. I'm also on Instagram. So whatever works. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much. Okay. So that's it. I'm going to put all the information for how to reach mm-hmm. Ducia into the show notes. And thanks so much for being here and have a fantastic week. And let's see you next week. <laughs>